Did you know the Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor, what's a mistake they made that changed their approach, and how do they find their next great idea. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Have you ever counted how many online accounts you have? Do you listen to music on Spotify, upload your pictures to the cloud, or hold savings in an online bank account? If the answer is yes to any of these questions, you should consider what happens to these assets when you die. In this week's special edition of the FT Money Show, I'll be delving into the world of digital legacies, from Facebook to cryptocurrencies, and I'll be putting your questions to my panel of experts. Welcome to The Money Show, the FT's weekly podcast about personal finance. I'm Lucy Warwick-Ching, the FT's personal finance digital editor, and this week I'm dedicating the entire show to talking about our digital assets and what happens to them when we die. I'm joined in the studio by Ang Harrod Lin, Senior Associate in the private client team at law firm VWV, James Norris, founder of the Digital Legacy Association, and Ian Bond, Chair of the Wills and Equity Committee for the Law Society. Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining me. Hello. Good morning. Hi. Let's start with people's understanding, or lack of it, in this area. I wrote a 3,000-word feature on this topic last week, and lots of information I found out surprised me and generated lots of comments from readers. Anne Harrod. Your firm conducted some research over the summer on digital assets. Tell us about this. Yes. Uh, one of the things that we do in our team is we write wills for people and we also administer estates when people have died. And we were finding that this was becoming more and more of an issue that people had digital assets but hadn't really thought about what would happen to them when they died. Um, and when people were coming in to make wills, they talk about everything else, like houses and bank accounts, but they wouldn't think about digital things. Um, so we decided to conduct some research and put um, a survey out to our clients over the summer. And we found that even though absolutely everybody who responded to the survey had some sort of digital asset, whether it was an email account or an online bank account or photographs stored in the cloud, very few of them had thought about what would happen when they died. And only 25% felt confident about what they actually owned. Um, and only 6% had specifically included digital assets in their wills. Interesting. And James, the Digital Legacy Association also conducted some research. Your survey was called the Digital Death Survey 2018. Did you find similar results? Yes, we did. So we as the Digital Legacy Association, raise awareness around the importance of planning for death, both in the physical world and the digital world. And our survey in 2018 found that 90% of people um, hadn't made plans 
for their social media accounts. Now, our social media accounts are uh, increasingly um, storing assets, so photos and videos that are of a high sentimental value. Um, and in a similar way, we found that 95% of people had not made plans for their purchased digital assets. So that might include their purchased songs, movies, uh, cryptocurrency, etc. And Ian, did you have the same experience in your field? In terms of the Law Society, we get many calls from solicitors who are now dealing with queries from clients who, when uh, dealing with will-making and uh, administering estates, where they're looking for guidance on how to deal with digital assets. And this is both social media, but also growingly, cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin. Uh, we've issued guidance to practitioners uh, when it comes to social media to make sure that they're pointing their clients in the right direction of each of the social media accounts so that they can take action before they pass away as to whether they want uh, each particular social media account to have access uh, someone as a dedicated person after they've passed away um, or to make sure they've put in whatever the uh, practical steps are to make sure that their wishes are carried out so they have to take some positive action. And when it comes to cryptocurrencies, they are property. Uh, and like any property with value, cryptocurrencies will uh, have to be returned for inheritance tax um, for the purposes of HM Revenue and Customs in the normal way. And now I want to turn to what people's um, rights are over their digital assets. People might kind of assume that they have the same rights as anything else, any physical assets. But um, from writing this piece, I found out that it's, it's very different. Earlier this year, there was a case of a lady called Rachel Thompson, whose late husband, from who she'd been estranged, had died a few years earlier, but he had not made a will. So Miss Thompson had to turn to the courts to get an order to force Apple to allow her to access her husband's online account so she could retrieve the family photos and videos that he had online. Anne Harrod, can you start by explaining to listeners exactly what a digital asset is? At the moment, there is no legal definition in the UK of what a digital asset is. Uh, in the US and Canada, they have now published legislation trying to come to some sort of definition. Um, but it's generally taken to include email accounts, social media, photographs, cryptocurrencies, and really anything that is stored digitally or online. Um, some of them have got financial value, such as um, your PayPal account or online shopping accounts, and others are more sentimental items with social value, say LinkedIn, Twitter or Facebook. So Ian, who actually owns these accounts? Surely we do and we can pass these on to our loved ones when we die. Well, that was uh, the thought that most people would have, that they own the photographs, they've uploaded them onto online accounts, they've got the device, therefore they own the information that's on the device. Uh, and this is where uh, we have to check the terms and conditions of each of the services that we sign up to, because hidden in the detail, and no one likes reading the terms and conditions when they sign up to a new service, um, uh, is going to say that uh, on most occasions, you actually get a lifetime license. You upload the information and during your lifetime, you have the license to access, put more information on take information off but that's usually non-transferable so when you pass away the license ends and the information reverts back to the original company who you have the agreement with and therefore that terms and conditions that's signed up by you then puts up barriers between you and that company um, between having uh, relatives loved ones uh, having access to that information after you've gone. So just to expand upon uh, Ian's point, uh, when you purchase a song or a movie digitally, that, ex that uh, user license, that individual user license expires upon your death. 
However, if you were to purchase the same media、um, on a DVD or on a CD, you can easily pass that on to a next of kin. So, you know, a lot of individuals and a lot of consumers do not know this when they purchase something online,、um, which can cause problems when you're planning for death. And it can also be a huge problem when trying to access that media、uh, after a loved one has, has passed away. That's a really good point because lots of readers got in touch and said, you know, he spent thousands. You know, if you added everything up, they spent thousands on music and videos and, and everything. And they were actually quite shocked that that license would then go away when they died. That's something that they hadn't addressed before. And is it the same for our social media accounts? I mean, I know there's not the same value in them, but. Can they possibly be passed on to other people? Can anyone have access after they've died? Yes,、yeah, so certain、uh, social media accounts now are potting in processes which enable you to pass on access、um, after you die. So, Facebook, for example, have set up、uh, Facebook's legacy contact that enables you to、uh, provide access to a next of kin.、Um, now, they are unable to. Um, look at your messages,、um, but they are able to, if you wish them to,、um, either memorialize your account, delete your account,、um, or access your, your photos and download your photos. Google, in a similar way, launched、uh, Google's inactive account manager quite a few years ago now. So if you use any Google services, so Gmail, Google Photos, YouTube, etc., you can decide what happens to each of your accounts、um, after you die. So Some of the bigger social media sites are now addressing this area. There's still a lot that needs to be done from social media accounts, other online portals that we use in terms of both their end of life policies and the way in which they support their users. So it sounds like it's a learning process both for the companies and the users themselves. And Ang Harrod, the,、um, what about cryptocurrencies? This is an area that has a lot of value for, you know, potentially for people. And you know, they'd be devastated if these couldn't be passed on. Absolutely.、Uh, one area where ownership rights are clearer is cryptocurrencies、um, because they do have a monetary value, which is clear.、Um, and legally, they do belong to you once you have bought them. Um, so, something like Bitcoin will be available after death and can be passed on. However, it is slightly complicated because、um, the way that Bitcoin exists is that it can only be accessed with something called a private key. So, if somebody dies and they don't provide this private key to their executors or their loved ones, then the Bitcoin will be lost and won't be able to be retrieved. Uh, so, it is really important that somehow the details of how to access the Bitcoin、um, is made available to executors or, or other family members so that、um, you know, the, the value isn't lost. Because, absolutely, I mean, you know, these things can have quite significant monetary value.、Um, and apart from anything else, it's really important. Um, that these are declared for inheritance tax purposes when the inheritance tax return is being completed for HMRC after death. So, if you've got £200,000 worth of Bitcoin and it's not declared, then actually you're providing、um, an incomplete or fraudulent return. So, it's really important to include all your assets, whether or not they're traditional ones or、uh, digital ones. Our research also found that wallets that hold the cryptocurrency keys. They also have their own terms of service. For some of them, they require extra documentation stating exactly who should receive that cryptocurrency after death. 
And it's certainly not, not an easy process for an individual to be able to obtain access from some of these wallets. So it's very important to understand, again, what the terms of services for the wallets that contain that Bitcoin mm. when keys are not provided directly. Okay, well, let's talk about some of the practical planning issues then. So, you know, people talking to me about how they can make things easier for their loved ones when they pass away. I've heard of some password managers such as Dashlane or LastPass, Sticky Password, OnePassword. There's lots more. So, Angerhard, um, how do these companies work and should we be worried about the security of them? I think it's quite a difficult situation, the whole thing to do with passwords and logins. Um, we all have so many passwords these days that we need to remember for so many different uh, accounts that we're accessing every day. And it's a really difficult um, area between how much information we provide to our loved ones and how much we keep things secure. So there's a fine balance and also legally sometimes you will be breaching user terms if you do give out your password. Uh, so when we were doing our research into this, one thing that did come up was these password management systems. Um, and my understanding is that they can be very effective. However, the key is to ensure that somehow the master password can be accessed because I think you mentioned in your piece um, a, a lady whose husband had died and she didn't have the master password. And, you know, if you don't have that, then all the sub passwords underneath that are um, can't be accessed. Um, and I think this is particularly important in cases where somebody dies suddenly. I administer estates at work and most of the estates we do, people are elderly, they've spent a lot of time planning. But there are cases where somebody dies very suddenly at a younger age they haven't made any plans for what will happen. And if their families are unable to access any of their accounts, it can be really difficult to find out exactly what assets they own. Um, so although technically you may not um, always be advised to share passwords, on a practical basis, it's difficult to tell people not to because there isn't really a clear solution at the moment. And I think that's the biggest problem that we have is that legally, it's a very grey area. And Ian, what are solicitors doing? Well, in terms of it's very difficult for solicitors to actually advise a client to go against the terms mm. and conditions of, of a, a service that they've signed up to. But it is a very difficult area. And it shows the difference between the physical and the digital world purely and simply in Old-fashioned terms, people would have the box under the stairs or the drawer where all the important documents would be kept in physical format that you would need to have after someone's died. Now, with digital assets, it's all kept online or somewhere secure. And you have to be able to provide enough information for the personal representatives, the loved ones, to be able to find the way in and find those assets. It's like the good old-fashioned um, treasure map. You know, if mm. you've got X mark in the spot, if you've lost the treasure map, you've lost access to the treasure. And so it's providing enough information to show where the source of uh, the uh, stored master password is kept and to not actually give the password or to make the password uh, sufficiently um, guessable on some information that you provide, some clues that you provide, so that you're not actually writing it down and breaching the terms and conditions, but you've given enough information to allow the personal representatives to to discover the master password and then you know, you've then sort of found the treasure trust, as it were. 
And then one reader I was speaking to last week said that they um, created a piece of paper with the master passwords in the middle and then just cut that paper in half and gave one to a sibling and one to a, a parent and then on strict instructions to, for that they would come together and put the piece of paper together. Have you heard? <laughs> I've, I've heard of that, sort of sharding pieces of, yeah. of key information so different people get different parts. So sometimes mm-hmm. it, you know, the passwords uh, are a, a phrase um, and the different people get parts of the phrase and told, here's a word, you're number one, here's another word, you're number two. Mm-hmm. And when all the people come together, they are able to put the phrase together to actually then access. So they haven't breached the terms and conditions from that point of view because no one person has all the access to the information mm. sounds complicated yes <laughs> um, and james so you you've got a template on the um digital legacy association website that's for um digital world and to help people with kind of end of life planning tell me tell me a bit more about the digital world and yes so we launched the digital legacy association um in 2015 at hospice uk's conference and we were really trying to empower the general public to better understand digital asset planning and digital legacy safeguarding. And part of that was developing um, a digital will. Uh, It's a very simple template. It's an Excel document that can be downloaded. And you simply state all of the accounts that you own um, and what you want to happen to each. Now, most people don't know, know the terms of service of the platforms that they use and the ways in which they can perhaps pass on assets contained within those accounts. So within the um, digital will, it's, it's called us, we've branded it as a social media will. Um, you're able to click directly through from the document to uh, the different resources that are kind of contained on the Digital Legacy Association site. So if you're unsure about how to pass on access to your mobile phone, you can go to the mobile phone tutorial and click through. If you're uh, concerned and want to find out more about how to plan for your Facebook account and the photos and videos that are contained within it, again, you would just click through to the Facebook tutorial. So we really try to um, ensure that each person fully understands which platforms and which uh, devices they use and make suitable plans for them and their loved ones. Some very practical advice there. And I should add that there are a number of other companies that can help people gather together the information their families will need to organise the estate once they're gone. So one company I spoke to is Kinherit, another is Lexikin, but I imagine there'll be lots more um, coming onto the market in this in the coming um, months and years. Thanks very much, Angharad, James and Ian for coming in to talk to us in the studio. And a big thank you to all our readers and listeners who regularly comment on our articles or get in touch to share your views. If you would like to contact me to comment on this article or perhaps suggest an item for a future podcast, then you can email us money at ft.com. You can also follow us on Twitter for the main latest news alerts. Our handle is at ftmoney. We'll be back next week at the usual time. Goodbye. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.